0: our counselors and to the public tonight um, for the work session of Iowa City City Council, Tuesday, July 21st. And lots of things on our agenda tonight. It's been a a busy day um, for council um, uh, because we have a mask, a face covering order that uh, was put into place today that we're very proud of. But we wanna get uh, some COVID-19 updates. I will talk about the order a little later but maybe we'll start out with some COVID-19 updates. And I know that our city manager, as well as Dennis, uh, the finance um, director, has a presentation for us, so we'll start there.
1: Thanks, Mayor. Uh, Dennis Bockenstead is gonna start us off with an updated uh, presentation that you heard, I believe, in uh, May or so uh, about city finances. So with that, I'll I'll turn it over to Dennis. And then after Dennis is done, Tracy Heiteshue is going to uh, join the call and describe the uh, housing and uh, rental assistance uh, programs that are currently available in uh, Johnson
2: County. All right, I'm gonna try and share my screen here with everybody. Uh, hopefully everybody can can see that. All right, and uh, start here. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor and Council. Uh, I'm Dennis Bakkenstead, I'm the Finance Director for the City of Iowa City. And tonight I'm gonna give you a financial impact update for the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the C of City operates a, a variety of funds for, for many different purposes. And uh, when this began several months ago, uh, we took a look at those funds and tried to identify which ones were going to be impacted uh, the greatest financially. Um, at that time, we had identified the general fund, which is the city's primary operating fund, uh, the road use tax fund, which is uh, the fund that accounts for the state's road use tax sharing and then uh, three of our enterprise or business type funds, uh, the parking, the transit, and the water funds, as we felt these were going to be the the most impacted uh, financially by the pandemic. I'm going to give you an update on on uh, those revenues that are being impacted, uh, what we had estimated, and then you know what we're seeing now, and then maybe a little a glimpse if that's what you want to call it into the future. Uh, for The general fund, the city's primary operating fund, uh, we were anticipating lower uh, hotel motel tax collections uh, as hotels had, had closed and, and travel had, had decreased. Also, we were looking at reduced parks and recreation, senior center, and other program fees as facilities were being closed and programming was being shut down. Um, we we're also looking at a lower fine revenue and Uh, construction and building permit revenues uh, as activities slowed down and enforcement activities slowed and something else that we're going to talk a little bit about tonight um, that we're seeing, we did not uh, project this at that time and that we are seeing a higher rate of unpaid property taxes. Um, So several months ago when we, when we just kind of took a, a rough guess as what, the impact of our hotel motel taxes were going to be, uh, we estimated nearly a complete loss or uh, $478,000 uh, through the remainder of the fiscal year 2020. Um, right now we're looking at an actual shortfall of uh, $376,000. Uh, we do have one more distribution coming from the state, but but we're really not sure exactly what that's going to be, what we're coming going to come out of that, and also uh, just to let you know that. You know, uh, these figures are preliminary. We they are not audited. Uh, we haven't closed our books for fiscal year 2020 yet. Uh, so we're just kind of giving you a, a look at where we're at right now. Um, for the uh, Parks and Recreation and other programming fees, uh, we originally estimated a loss of about 430000 Our actual shortfall came in at just over 450. And for our uh, fine and permit revenue, uh, we'd estimated a loss of $385,000 and our actual shortfall uh, was roughly about 282,000. Um, and for those property taxes, we did not place an estimated uh, shortfall on property tax revenue several months ago. Um, however, due to uh, delays in late penalties and, and uh, the elimination or delay of the property tax sale uh, we currently have a shortfall of uh, $654,000. So our original estimate was about $1.3 million shortfall in the general fund in 2020, and our actual shortfall to date is about $1.7 million. Uh, looking ahead to uh, next fiscal year, trying to see what's going to happen. You know, We kind of put together a six-month estimate if these conditions would persist through the end of the calendar year, and then a 12-month estimate if it would persist through the end of the fiscal year. And for those hotel-motel tax collections, um, you know, they came in higher this last year, uh, in FY 2020 than we thought. So our six-month estimate uh, going forward is 350000 and our 12-month estimate is, is $650,000. Um, for those parks and recreation and other programming fees, our six-month Estimate is is uh, and Our twelve month estimate is about a million dollars, and we're looking at a uh, almost a complete reduction of, of all uh, recreation and programming fees uh, for fine and permit revenues. Uh, our six month estimate is five hundred fifty thousand, and our twelve month estimate is about one point one million dollars. Uh, and then for those property taxes, um, we have not yet. Uh, place an estimate on those. Um, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen at the state level with these um, or what's going to happen in the property tax sale or or those future collections. Um, and the impact could be great. Um, so we have not ventured to make a guess at it at this point. Uh, so for fiscal year 2021, our, our estimated impact would be about $1.4 million revenue loss in the first six months and about $2.8 million loss uh, over a 12, the next 12 month period. Uh, and just give a, a brief summary of that. Uh, for FY20, we had a, about a $1.7 million shortfall, which is about 2.5% of uh, the city's revenue, general fund revenue. And we were able to offset this by uh, cutting expenses such as consulting fees, travel training, capital outlay, uh, rec programming. Uh, we delayed the filling of open positions. And also then we uh, had some remaining general fund contingency. Uh, so the bottom line for FY20 is we did have sh- revenue shortfall, however, uh, we were able to offset that revenue with the expenditure cuts. Uh, for fiscal year 2021, we're looking at much the same, um, you know, revenue shortfall of the six months and the 12 months, uh, roughly in the 1.9 to 3.8% range of total general fund revenue and right now we're looking to expenditure cuts and delay filling open positions um, and other uh, spending uh, cuts and and delays uh, to help offset that. Uh, We are gonna keep monitoring uh, the general fund monthly and if we see property tax receipts or other revenues uh, begin to slip um, or these other receipts slipping further, uh, additional cuts may be necessary. Uh, for the road use tax fund, uh, which accounts for this state road use tax sharing, uh, we did anticipate lower road use tax collections uh, due to uh, slower automobile sales and 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 less uh, uh, passenger vehicle traffic. You know, our original estimate was based on information we'd received from the state, and we'd estimated a shortfall of about five hundred fifty thousand dollars in FY twenty. In actuality. Um, uh, we should be able to meet our revenue our original revenue uh, targets uh, for FY 20 and 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 not experience a shortfall uh, in this last fiscal year. Uh, for FY 21, uh, the state is still projecting a, a fewer reduction in those reduced tax revenues, however at a lower rate. Uh, so we are projecting a six month shortfall of 440 thousand and a 12 month shortfall of uh, 880 thousand dollars. Uh, just to summarize that, uh, yes, we, we did not have a net revenue shortfall in 20. Uh, we had, however, cut CIP spending uh, that was funded the road use tax revenues by 500000 Uh So that cut that we made for 20 actually should help uh, cover some of our shortfall that we're projecting in 21. Um, DOT did or uh, does have an estimate of a 10% shortfall in those road use tax revenues uh, for next year. Uh, we are going to keep reviewing these monthly to ensure that they're coming in uh, at that rate or above, and that uh, CIP cut we made should cover that first six months of 21. However, um, you know, looking for the second half of 21, if if the situation uh, stays the way it is, uh, further cuts uh, and spending changes uh, may be necessary. Uh, for the parking fund, uh, this is actually, funders probably impacted uh, the most of these funds we're going to talk about as, as uh, parking enforcement uh, had ceased back in March and April. Uh, we saw a, a dramatic decrease in revenues. Um, at the time, we, we estimated a, a revenue shortfall of about $1.8 million over the, the last uh, three and a half months of the fiscal year. Um, And our actual shortfall was around $1.5 million as we had resumed enforcement and collection uh, throughout the month of June. Um, For FY21, um, we're still looking at a revenue shortfall of about $1.5 million, uh, primarily from hourly parking. uh, And that would translate into a 12-month loss of about $2.7 million. Uh, To summarize that, uh, we did have a shortfall of 20 revenue, about $1.5 million. Uh, We did manage to uh, use cash on hand to pay off the Harrison Street parking ramp uh, lease. Uh, This eliminated the parking fund's debt coverage requirements. So that is no longer an issue uh, for the parking fund. It also uh, freed up the parking fund use restrictions uh, that were in place because of that lease. And also this added about $80,000 a month of of net cash flow uh, to the parking system. Um, So the the parking fund didn't finish uh, behind um, where it normally would. Uh, We through expenditure cuts and CIP cuts, we did manage to cover about 50% of of that lost revenue. Um, And the remainder of that would have been taken out of fund balance uh, or cash balances. Um, And we are projecting losses moving into 21. Uh, we are monitoring these revenues weekly to see uh, what is going on. Uh, we we feel we may still have a structural deficit in the parking fund, um, so we're we're keeping a close eye on it. And um, it is possible that we may need to make additional expenditure cuts or other changes down the road in the parking system. Uh, the transit fund, uh, this is one that you know is as as uh, People quit going to work and and transportation slowed, uh, bus routes were altered. Uh, We did see a reduction in bus fares and bus pass revenue. In addition, we saw a reduction in the uh, parking charges and parking revenues for the Court Street Transportation Center which falls under the the transit system. Um, So for the the bus fares and passes, we had estimated about $350,000 of lost revenue Uh, In actuality, we came up short about $270,000. And in the Court Street uh, parking ramp, we'd estimated a loss of about $222,000, and the actual shortfall came in about $84,000. So our our total losses in FY20 uh, for the transit fund, uh, we estimated $573,000 actually came in about $356,000. And then looking... uh, towards fiscal year 21. Uh, For those bus fares and passes, um, they continue to come in at a lower lower rate. Uh, We expect to come in about $510,000 short in uh, through December. And for 12 months, that would translate into just over a million. Uh, For the parking ramp, uh, we would come in short about $230,000 through six months and about 400,000 for the 12 month period. Uh, So total impact in the transit fund of about a $740,000 loss uh, in the first six months of the year and in the second half or the total of the year would be about $1.4 million. And so um, although we are experiencing revenue shortfalls in the transit system, uh, the transit fund was the beneficiary of uh, uh, the CARES Act. Uh, It received federal funding of $5.1 million to uh, deal with the Uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And so for that FY20, we will use the uh, CARES Act funding to cover that shortfall. Uh, We also anticipate using that CARES Act funding to cover those revenue losses in 21, And um, it is possible that the remainder of that CARES Act funding could be used in future fiscal years as well. Uh, The water fund uh, is the last fund we'll talk about. that we expected to see uh, impacts, or at least major impacts, from the uh, COVID 19 pandemic. Um, uh, we uh, discontinued enforcement and collection uh, of unpaid utility bills um, back in March at that time. Um, so we were seeing and, and anticipated seeing reduced revenues from late fees and other shutoff notices. Um, we're anticipating lower water consumption as as business activity slowed um, and we also, the council approved to delay the July 1st, 5% rate increase uh, through October 1st. So for our our FY20 uh, impact, uh, those late fees were estimated at $140,000 shortfall. Uh, Actual shortfall was about $133,000. And then uh, for reduced water consumption, we were estimating a $210,000 shortfall. Actually, we will not have a shortfall, and that is primarily because uh, Procter & Gamble has not slowed their water usage uh, at their health and beauty care production facility to the extent we were anticipating. Um, so the total impact in the water fund, uh, originally was estimated at 350000 uh, actually came in uh, currently at 133000 Um, So for FY21, uh, if we were to discontinue collection practices uh, for the next six months, we would anticipate losing $240,000 of revenue, and if we were to continue that practice through the end of the fiscal year, we would estimate a loss of about $475,000 of revenue. Uh, Same if we delayed the 5% rate increase through the end of the year, uh, we would lose $220,000 of revenue, and if we... Uh, carried that through the end of the fiscal year, we would lose about $450,000 of revenue. Those total impacts amount to 460 over six months and 925,000 over a 12 month period. Um, so to give you an idea of, of the past two accounts that we are, are not pursuing, right now there's a total of 932 past two accounts a total of just over $156,000 of revenue. Um, and right now we've been the beneficiary of uh, continued uh, uh, water usage beyond our expectations at Procter & Gamble. And that was able to absorb uh, any other pumpage short flow flows or those past to accounts. Um, for FY21, however, we are gonna continue to monitor these revenues uh, on an ongoing basis. Um, if the Procter & Gamble usage does start to slow Uh, it is slowing but if it begins to slow at the pace that we originally thought and you couple that with these other revenue losses uh, it is possible we could experience uh, stress on our bond coverage Um, so we'll be definitely want to be mindful um, to maintain those uh, coverages for our water revenue bonds Um, other revenue issues that we are experiencing um, as I mentioned, property tax collections were coming at a lower rate uh, for FY20. Right now, we've collected just over 98% um, of our property taxes. We, it's not uncommon that we collect um, right around 100%. And uh, you know, this is primarily due to uh, delayed late penalties uh, that the state has imposed. And also, I've uh, canceled or at least delayed the property tax sale Um, And so right now we currently have about $1.1 million in uncollected property taxes for fiscal year 20. And that is across all property tax supported funds. And if this situation were to persist into fiscal year 21, um, this could have a a substantial impact on property tax supported funds, such as employee benefits, debt service, uh, the transit system, um, and the, the general fund of course. Um, We're also seeing lower sewer revenues. Uh, This is primarily due to uh, water usage at the University of Iowa. Um, They produce their own water, but they pay us a sewer fee and and we have seen uh, a decline in that revenue. Um, We're going to continue to monitor this, uh, see if this trend is going to persist and then of course evaluate the consequences. Uh, The sewer fund was and is relatively healthy uh, and has a healthy uh, Bond coverage on their on their uh, sewer revenue bonds, and so uh, there's no real threat at this time as far as them not meeting uh, their requirements of their bonds. Um, our interest income revenues are dropping, and this is pretty much across the board. Uh, the federal funds rate has declined to near zero percent, um, so we are seeing a very low rates return in our money markets. Um, We do still have investments that we purchased over the last year, year and a half, that are maturing that have a higher rate of uh, return. However, those are being renewed at a much, much lower rate of return. And this uh, loss of revenue is going to really impact pretty much most of the operating funds of the city. Uh, So just to give you a brief summary of of everything, Uh, General Fund has experienced broad-based revenue declines. And right now we'll be able to manage that through expenditure cuts and spending freezes. Uh, The Road Use Tax Fund, the state is projecting a 10% revenue shortfall. Uh, We're gonna continue to monitor this. Uh, We believe the initial cut we made should carry us through uh, the end of the calendar year, but uh, after that, um, it is possible. We may need to do uh, more work there. Uh, The parking fund continues to be stressed financially. Uh, We are monitoring this weekly Um, It may require further intervention. Uh, The transit fund is having an experience or experiencing a drop in revenues. Uh, Due to the CARES Act funding, however, um, it should be able to mitigate uh, those revenue shortfalls in the transit fund. And in the water fund, we are having uh, lower late fee revenues, uh, not collecting any shutoff notice revenues. Um, We did delay the 5% rate increase that was set for July 1st uh, for three months. However, due to Procter & Gamble uh, consuming water at a higher rate than we had estimated uh, last year, uh, that has been able to mitigate those revenue losses at this time. However, we're gonna continue to monitor to see that Procter & Gamble, uh, if they start to fall off, then then that could cause us an issue. And I will try to answer whatever questions uh, you might have.
3: Um, Dennis, could you just quickly explain to me again the the bond issue with water, please?
2: Sure, Um, we issue water revenue bonds and sewer revenue bonds and essentially those are bonds that are payable with those revenue sources uh, are being pledged to repay them. So uh, in lieu of using property taxes or pledging the full faith credit of the city, we pledge those water bondholders that we will uh, maintain water revenue at a level that's sufficient to repay those bonds. And usually when we talk about coverage, they want us to have our revenues uh, exceed our expenses by more than the actual amount of the bond payment. And in this case, it's 110% of that bond payment that we need to maintain. Thanks very much. I
3: have
4: a question that might be more for um, Jeff and Dennis, I'm not sure, but could either of you provide a little bit of insight into what the expenditure cuts and spending freezes in the general fund really entail? Like, what does that look like as far as service delivery from the city?
2: Well, um, as far as the the service delivery goes, um, the, the one some of that is the most impacted was our parks and recreation fund. Uh, most of the essential operations have been maintained. However, uh, as you know, programming has been discontinued, you know, those revenues have fallen off, but then so have a lot of the expenses that, that are connected with those revenues. Um, you know, Also, it was late in the fiscal year. We pretty much had cut most all the travel and training expenses for the remainder of the fiscal year. Um, we did also have some, some large consulting Uh, line items or budgets in our line items that that we were able to cut and and not utilize um and then there was a a variety of other smaller cuts that departments identified um and then uh there were some vacant positions we did not fill and jeff may be able to speak uh more to those um and then of course we had a a large contingency that we we budget every year one percent of our general fund expenses um And we had a healthy portion of that remaining that we were able to use to offset some of that revenue loss as well.
1: in terms of uh, positions, um, we have gone forward and filled a number of positions, but I I have held some back. Um, Council may recall with the fiscal year 21 budget, you approved several new positions uh, and several of those positions I just haven't filled yet. Typically we would have the authority to do so as of July 1st, the start of the fiscal year. Uh, But in this case, I've held back the third climate action position, which was more of the the data analyst uh, type of uh, position for our climate action team. Uh, So instead of a three-person team, right now we have a two-person team. Um, Also held back uh, the two new forestry workers in Parks and Rec that were approved as part of the budget. Um, And uh, hoping to fill those uh, as we progress through the fiscal year. But until we have a, a better handle on our... Um, our, our financial situation I just felt it was best not to put people in those positions if there's a if there's a risk that we would have to eliminate positions going forward uh, and then we also have a few vacant uh, police officer positions right now that uh, that are not being filled um, as new positions become vacant due to retirements or or people moving on uh, for other opportunities uh, I'll take a look at those and if we can either delay or um, Altogether, not fill that position until things stabilize. We'll do that.
5: How much has been budgeted for the temporary employees that who are not using it right now?
2: Um, Yeah, as far as you know, we did pay uh, the temporary employees, I believe, Mm -hmm. through May. Even though they were not working, we were maintaining those, it might have been the middle of May, but we were still maintaining those those salaries. Um, I, I do not have an exact figure as far as, at that point, what we are saving. And temporary wages, a lot of those are tied to uh, the programming that would have been provided. Um, I can get that figure for you, however, um, you know, because when we lose that revenue, we also lose all the programming costs attached to that revenue, such as when they uh the city park pool did not open up. Um, you know, that's all that revenue we're not getting from the, the park pool. It's also all the expenses and the staffing that uh is being cut as well. But but I can't get you a, a more detailed figure on that.
5: Sure, please. And do we see like more increase of residential water bill? Because to be honest with you, my water bill is going high than normal because the kids staying home.
2: Uh, It's certainly possible. You know, the the commercial, we anticipated loss of uh, water consumption uh, due to business closures. It is quite possible that some of that was picked up through an increase in residential usage for more people having to eat at home.
0: With our deficits projected, is there any thoughts of borrowing funds to help us through this time? Um, because I, right now I hear that we're holding positions, which for the climate action in my, I mean, I understand it, um, but the climate action is something that's critical that council wants to do. Um, so have we thought about any other options for making it through this time as far as borrowing money? I know that's not the optimal idea, but has there been any discussion on that?
2: Well, I, I don't know that we would wanna to go to the extent where we would actually have to borrow funds, uh, primarily because we do, have, um, we do have an emergency reserve and we do have a large fund balance um, in our general fund and in some of our other funds, and so um, I would not anticipate that we would need to borrow funds. Part of the challenge with this pandemic is, is nobody knows when the end is coming. So, um, you know, if we we knew there was kind of a, a better beginning and end, we could plan for that. Uh, without knowing when the end is going to be, and that the the lost revenue could be prolonged, it's difficult to know exactly, um, you know, when that deficit spending would end. And when there's, you don't have an exit plan, when you create deficit spending um, down the road, it can create a, a rather large problem in the future. So, um, you know, if we had kind of an idea of when this would come to an end, we could do a planned spend down of, of fund balance um, and then kind of hopefully, you know, transition that into a soft landing. Um, however, with no idea when you know revenues would resume or what the future looks like, that makes it much more difficult to to plan uh, for how uh, we would use that fund balance and strategically uh, fund positions um, because we don't know when those revenues resume that would pay for them.
5: If we can go back, you, you was projecting the loss and yeah, until the end of the 21 fiscal uh,
2: year or? That's correct, uh, the 21 okay. fiscal year. And, and that's just a kind of a rough idea. I mean, a lot of these are, are rough ideas because we really don't know what's gonna happen. And for a while there, back in March and April, it seemed like on a daily basis, things were changing. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we could not control the actions that the state were taking. In regards to property tax, uh, delaying late penalties and delaying the property tax sale, and so there, there have been things that have been out of our control. Um, in addition, you know um, there was talk of federal funding uh, to assist local governments. Uh, that has really been hit or miss. You know we've received some things such as CDBG and home, um, you know, public housing, but then there's uh, other areas such as parking and our general operations that that have received nothing. Um, so it's the kind of environment that just makes it really difficult to, to know what to do. And, and so that those projections really are just just rough projections because you know things could start back up in three months or they could be shut down for you know another year. Uh, we just don't know.- Thank you. Uh,
6: Dennis, on the uh, water rate increase, the five percent do we have any sense of when we might consider putting that increase into effect
2: well well right now it is uh, that delay has been delayed through October 1st um, we are talking about some other forms of, of relief um, you know for utility bills and um, and and late fees and penalties um, you know at this time you know we are we are still sticking with the October 1st uh, resumption um, for collection and procedures and that that um, uh, that rate increase however uh, you know between now and october 1st anything could happen and and uh, and those things are really still up for discussion
1: I think on that note we probably want to revisit that um, maybe it's your second meeting in in August or your first meeting in September to see if if that is something you wanna progress with or if we wanna push it off further um, as Dennis indicated in this presentation, uh, the revenues have come in a little better than we expected on that. So um, my sense is that we might be able to, to push that a little bit, but I think we'd all like uh, another month or so of, of data uh, to help inform that decision.
6: I mean, one, one thing that I would be interested in is seeing uh, considering the, the rate increase if we had uh, rate discounts for those who need financial assistance. And I don't know what percentage of our water users would, would uh, be able to pay that. You know, we wouldn't be too concerned with that 5% increase in which, where we would be concerned. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm in, interested in seeing if we can do the increase while at the same time in Place uh, lower rates for those who need them.
5: I really disagree with you, John, on that because he just said not over 900 people they are not even based, their bill; they're past EU balance, and uh, that will tell us exactly there is a lot of people are suffering, and uh, we don't want to make like another burden on them. And even on on this beacon on that line, I was trying to ask also. Uh, if we can continue not shutting the water for people and not giving them, like, uh, also fee, late fee, is that still going to happen? Or, you know, and I really encourage not to increase the water right now if we can postpone it, because just from your report, over 900, almost 1,000 families did not even pay it.
2: Yeah, and, you know, the council can, at their discretion, decide... Uh, you know, how they want to handle those items. Um, you know, the one thing that, that we pay attention to our will is ensuring that we meet the covenants that we pledged to our bondholders. Um, and so as long as we're able to meet those bond covenants, we really in, really um, are able to to do with fees and rates and collections as, as we wish. Um, and so that's really up to the council's discretion. Uh, we have made pledges to those uh, bondholders um, that we would meet certain covenants and we would meet certain contractual demands and so those are the items that that we pay close attention to um, and then of course um, you know just as far as just cash flow in the fund and then you know capital replacement um, some of those things that uh, might slow a bit such as water main replacement uh, you know infrastructure at the water plant and so there are other considerations that that could come into play. Um, however, those are those are priorities and discretions um, and those bond covenants are contractual commitments.
5: Yeah, I really don't understand on those bonds very good. But from the way that you explain it, I guess they should know that there is pandemic going on <laughs> and uh, maybe a lot of things not making us meet the needs. And maybe yeah, right now you see like some bank, uh, you know, uh coming up with some like break for those people like who cannot um make a payment. I like, I mean like just all the financial institute right now they're doing a lot to, you know, understand on understanding the uh the dynamic of the pandemic. And uh, since IOSUT, you know, they always uh, made the standards, I-, I hope there is something there so it's not gonna be really hard on, you know, on like re- meeting the requirement. And uh, I don't know what about using the, it, it has to be, maybe it have to be from the water usage, and you have to show that you have the money or we can use the emergency fund. I really don't understand on that, but I I believe regardless uh, of uh, is this going to affect it or how much you're going to pay for fee or how it look, it's still, we need to think about the Iowa City residents who cannot pay this right now.
2: Well, maybe a simple way to think about it is, is you know, um, you know the bonds are it's a loan. It's like taking a mortgage out on your home, and um, you know if you fail to repay that mortgage, then it's going to be harder to get a mortgage in the future. So you know, um, you know, the city has borrowed money, and we've made a commitment to repay it. And and when we fail to to repay those debts or meet those covenants, then it will make it harder for the city to obtain those loans in the future if we need them, and in which case then we would pay a higher rate of interest to get them. So, um, of course, that is is just one of the considerations of the many.
5: Sure. But don't you think as uh, right now, even if I don't pay my mortgage, uh, the bank is understanding that I'm going through a tough time. They go back to my history and seeing that I never miss a payment and, you know, in the future also. I think all this will come in, supposed to come in consideration by those kind of people. I really am not, I don't have experience in doing that, but I I don't think we, we should have a lot of effect on those if we are really maintaining this for a long time and just given the fact that this is pandemic never happened before and, you know, maybe that will help a little bit. I'm Not sure. That's your area of experience. I can't say anything here, but that's my two cents.
1: I might offer on on that. I think if um, if if the council wants to prioritize the utility relief through our own utilities, which which Dennis indicated is is we're currently about one hundred fifty thousand behind in all utility accounts, maybe about nine hundred fifty or so accounts. Um, we would look to probably use um, reserves to the extent that we can, but as soon as you get close to those bond covenants, it's a big enough deal in a utility operation that I think we'd wanna look towards other sources like the emergency fund. So um, I think what we we look for as staff is council direction to say utility relief is is most important and and how you want to prioritize uh, that relief. Um, and then we can figure out a way to get that done. It, it probably, I don't think we would have much success working uh, with the bondholders on this particular case, but we certainly could look towards the emergency fund or other internal sources to help bridge that gap.
0: Yeah, were you going to kind of walk council through some potential relief efforts that council can consider uh, similar to what you did the last time?
1: Yeah, I have the I have the same presentation. I didn't modify it, but I thought we could revisit some of those points, and we can we can talk through some of those issues. Um, you know, it's the utilities is a good example. Just because we have 946 accounts that are past due doesn't mean that we have 946 accounts that don't have the ability to pay. When you announce, it's kind of like the property taxes. When you announce, there's not going to be late fees, and you announce that there's not going to be shutoffs. You will get people that maybe have an ability to pay um, that choose not to because there's, there's no penalty. Um, uh, so that gets into a question of how, many, uh, how much administration do you want around a program like this? Do you want us to, uh, to go through and try to verify need uh, from all those 950 accounts? Um, or do we just wipe, wipe the slate clean and take their balances to zero And then you get into issues of people that have really been struggling to live day to day, um, but they have found resources to pay their bills, and and those people need relief too, even though they're current. So there's a lot of equity issues to concern, uh, to to, to consider when designing a a utility relief program like this, and we can walk through some of that, um, maybe after Tracy's done with her portion of the presentation tonight. Okay, great.
0: Any more questions for Dennis? All right, hearing none. Thank you, Dennis.
2: Thank you.
1: So with that, um, I'll introduce Tracy Haichu from Neighborhood and Development Services. And she just has a few slides to go through on our housing relief programs that are available here locally. Welcome, Tracy.
3: Oh, Um, let me
7: share my screen with you. Okay, do you see it?
0: Not yet. There is coming now. Great. Got it now? Yes.
7: Okay, great. Okay, so I wanted to take you through the resources that we have available in our area for COVID relief. Um, it will not be comprehensive. I'm focusing on those funds available for housing assistance to maintain housing. So this doesn't include all the funds that we we receive to get folks out of shelter or depopulate shelters. Um, it also doesn't include all the multiple of agencies and foundations who may have allocated money to employees, clients, families in need. So I'm basically focusing on the government response in basically United Way um, for emergency housing costs. Um, the first major program that came out to assist folks in Iowa was the IFAs, the Iowa Finance Authorities, Iowa um, Eviction Prevention and eviction and foreclosure prevention program. They allocated 20 million across the state. Um, For renters, they capped assistance at 3,200. You could get up to four months of assistance as long as you stayed under 3,200. And for mortgage relief, it was up to 3,000. There were some caveats. You have to only apply online. You go out there, you answer these 12 to 13 questions. If you're eligible, then you could proceed. If you're not, you're not. Um, undocumented residents aren't eligible. People who received the stimulus unemployment, that $600 payment, they weren't eligible. So eligibility is limited, but we are encouraging folks in our community that if you are eligible, apply there first because of the amount of funds that are available. The city has always been expecting that um, since, COVID re- since COVID came out, HUD announced that they would allocate the city $410,422 or Um, COVID relief. We met earlier back in May, we submitted an annual action plan amendment to HUD that basically had 60% of that going to direct aid to households. We also went up to 3,200 up to three months. CDBG funds only allow up to three months in emergency payments. Um, We're contracting with community services. We just entered that contract this week. We got HUD's contract with us the week before. Um, community hopes to start providing this service as of this next upcoming Monday. Due to the delay that we knew we'd have from the time that we were notified of the federal funds and to the time we thought that we could actually utilize the funds, we allocated 50,000 to Shelter House to start a program back in early June to provide assistance much like we would with community but limited it to two months because we were hoping that was a time frame that we would have the federal funds Those, um, like I said, we entered that contract with Shelter House early June. As of July twentieth, they've assisted nineteen households and spent eight thousand, a little over eight thousand. They have thirty six thousand remaining. They've been working to do outreach. They're partnering with Community Center for Worker Justice. They've been on site, um, I believe, three times to date. Center for Worker Justice has helped with translation and they've helped with um, scheduling appointments. Shelter house does look at the impact on COVID on families and they've been flexible in that documenting that need. I think Mark said for one family, the way they documented was they called the employer, they asked if he'd been working, they said yes, but they didn't have the work. So they just documented that phone call and they were able to assist that household with benefits. And I wanted to mention besides the shelter house and community funds, we did allocate 70,000 to community crisis services back in February to help with our security deposit program. That was part of your assistance in the affordable housing fund. It actually was really helpful during the COVID as we tried to depopulate those shelters because we were using some of those funds for security deposit for people to get out of shelter. Um, As of the end of June, they had spent 34,000. They have 35,000 remaining. And then the last program to highlight is Johnson County They recently agreed, they allocated 40,000 to the Center for Worker Justice to help with their their program that provides up to $600 to families in need, primarily immigrants and refugees. Iowa City, you'll be be reviewing their request for 25,000 tonight and in this program, eligible expenses would include that rent, mortgage, utilities, food, healthcare, and childcare. As far as CARES Act funding goes for utilities, LIHEAP um, received an extra $365,000 for our area. Um, The ministry and agency is HACAP. So HACAP provides a regular assistance and then due to the CARES Act funding, you get get up to $1,000 for those funds. Then there's funds that the local community received for either I call it specific needs or targeted households. So the Veterans Administration provided $650,000 for the rent utilities that is going through HACAP. Um, that funding ends as of July 31st, I believe. And I'm not sure if that will be renewed. Shelter House was informed that they would get another 677,000 through the CARE Act for rapid rehousing and homeless prevention. They've not determined what mix will they'll dedicate to rapid rehousing and what will be for homeless prevention or the service territory. So due to our city funds for the CDBG, Uh, that are available to Iowa City residents. They might prioritize those folks in Johnson County that do not live in Iowa City, but we don't know yet. Um, They've not announced the funding parameters there. And then our local housing authority received extra money through the CARES Act to cover the increases as people were filing those notice of um, changes of income forms. We had to increase our payments to the landlord to make up for that. So we received extra funds um, for those the extra needs, and we also received 18 additional vouchers. Um, they're called mainstream housing vouchers. They're for persons experiencing homelessness with a disabling condition. So we we have those, and we were started to implement those. During this time, United Way has been um, fundraising. They provided 818 thousand dollars to assist 154 households in Johnson and Washington counties. However, unfortunately, the no long they don't have funds available any longer. Um, For the good news, the city does expect an additional 686,000 from the state. Um, Instead of being directly routed to us through through HUD, they are going through the state. We've not been told um, if there's any extra requirements or limitations on those funds. The last time I spoke with the state, they said their amendment is with HUD, they're reviewing it. Once that goes through that process, we expect that money I'm hoping by that time we could see how the funds are going through our local entities, you know, like Community Crisis Services and Shelter House to determine where we need the funds. Also, we will be um, releasing an application this week for nonprofits to apply. We have up to, I believe 160 some thousand for nonprofits impacted by COVID that focus on homeless, childcare, mental health and food. Um, we'll have a two to three week application window. We'll get those applications in and then we'll make our funding recommendations to the city manager. So we have those funds up and coming, they're going out. What we find odd or you know, during this pandemic, it, it's a learning curve for everybody. Um, speaking to Johnson County social services that, and it was common with a lot of providers that assistance requests are down. And some of those might be like their gas electric assists were down. Maybe that's because there's extra heat money that they can for people to. Um, but there there's several reasons why that might be. Um, it might be the, the receipt of stimulus funds, the extra unemployment benefits, loans. People might be putting it on credit cards. But from the social service providers that I've spoke to, they do, they do expect that once the CARES Act unemployment benefits end and the addiction moratorium ends, they're going to see a spike in requests. And that's when... Uh, people start coming to our local community, our local providers asking for assistance. That's a summary of what I know that's available in the community right now and when we'll release it. Does anybody have any questions? Yes, I have a question. Uh,
5: What about the months, uh, because we spoke about, I don't know, spoke to, I spoke to Jeff, I guess, uh, about um, the months of uh, July, is the shelter house still uh, able now to, because I know that it was April, May, and June?
7: Yeah, they, uh, the, their agreement just says anything after April 1st, but it has to be in arrears. So if they got a request in June, they couldn't pay for July because rent was not late yet. No, so both, now, I mean, now yeah, is yeah, now, yes. Uh, okay,
5: and uh, yes, the, I'm going to be honest with you here. Uh, just given the fact that you, they use only 8000 uh, I think, like my personal opinion on that, uh, this is uh, because of the difficult that people reach out this program. I know that they, you know, both people who come at the sh- uh, from the shelter house to CWA every Wednesday, they are amazing. They done a very good job talking to people. They try to accommodate, uh, accommodate as much as they can, but the problem is they they take forty five minutes with each person. And they come here at 10 o'clock and they leave at 4 o'clock. Divide that time into 45 minutes once a week. A lot of people have to go and without applying. A lot of people call, uh, you know, call in the shelter house and leave them and it takes them like two a uh, week or something like that, you know. It is very difficult. I'm not like accusing the shelter house by any means because that, that they don't have a lot of maybe staff to handle uh, this capacity. You know, there's a lot of people who came uh, to apply for this and also the language barrier and everything. And for example, tomorrow they are coming here, uh, but they already sent us the list for the people that they're going to meet here for each time. And we have like few spots to enter some names that we can do. And we have a lot of people. We don't have a spot for them to meet them. I, I guess, you know, really, this is being difficult for the people and we need to see a way that we can expand these services uh, to the people who really need it before community even come because now it take people a week to wait so they can meet person to person. And now they cannot meet because there is no spot for them. It take- 45 minutes per person.
7: I can tell you. Um, Shelter House does do a comprehensive assessment. I, what we were finding when they first reported their benefits is that they, 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 they do might take some time, but they are also looking to see what other programs people can qualify for, and that does take some time. So it's not just they're looking at this assistance, but I know they've made referrals over to general assistance. They made referrals over to different programs that they know. Um, but, but since Shelter's House, House is not here to talk about it, um, we can have them respond. Um, might not It won't be tonight, but we can have them provide a memo.
5: I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you experience, uh, that's okay if you don't believe me, uh, but that's what they told me when I asked them why they take. They are doing a great job. Not, they are not only referring people to another services. They are actually applying for people for a state program, if you are eligible for a state program, They don't turn them and say, hey, go and apply online. They sit there and physically help those people apply for that program. I've been seeing them, I know what they're doing, but I'm just saying that one day a week here at the Center for Worker Justice is not enough for them to do their work. Taking application over phone because you have to provide, uh, you have first, they take application over phone, but you have to somehow send all your documentation They are doing, they went far and beyond to accommodate people by sometimes just send it to me to my phone. Maybe you just send me a picture of your documentation to my phone. Text it to me instead of like, um, they went far and beyond to do stuff. They don't have to defend themselves, but still they are shorty staff. That's what I mean. They only two people doing this here. I don't know at the shelter house how many people is doing that, but you call only, I call myself, They would tell me I have to talk to Dina and I have to leave a message. And other people also, they came here so I can put a message for them so they don't speak their English. We have to do that. That's something from my personal experience. They can respond, but those are obstacles. Uh, If they want to respond differently, they can respond differently, and I can prove the, the opposite. But I don't think so because I hear that from them. They told me take them 45 minutes for one person because they have to do all this and they try to hurry up. Sometimes they give me the application, I give it to the people, fill out the application. By the time you go there, you just, they will go over it again so we can expedite the process. But that's what is going on right now. And uh, they are doing a fantastic job, no doubt.
0: I think I would like to definitely see whatever, um, maybe a memo from them to maybe highlight some of the great things about the program as well as some of the challenges that they've faced. That might be good for council to know. The other thing I wanted to mention is the city expects the 686,000 from the CDBG. Um, I don't know what the CV funds mean. What does CV mean?
7: Community Development Block Grant and then the coronavirus has a special initial that they attach on it. Okay.
0: <laughs> that makes sense.
7: Yeah, that's how they identify it, separate from our regular entitlement funds
0: just when I thought I knew all of the little uh, acronyms, <laughs> there's one more in there. Um, but I, w- with the six hundred and eighty six thousand, I understand that we don't have the um, all of the re- the requirements for the funds. but do you anticipate that any of these funds will be able to be backdated to the funds we've already released or would it be moving forward?
7: If it's anything like our regular CDBG funds, the waiver, it goes back to once the, the pandemic started, but I, I don't know what the state will require um, until I get the requirements. Um, I'm assuming, no, I, I mean, you can't duplicate benefits. So if our program's already paid for someone to have their April, May and June rent paid, no, they can't get it done again, but it they, they could be eligible for July, August. Um, I Well, I don't know because the Community Development Block Grant program only allows you three months of assistance. So I don't know if, just because it's through the state allocation, if you can double, if you can, if you can do more than three months, I, I'd have to find out.
5: Okay. I guess the state is doing more than three months. I have somebody who will get paid for April, May, June, and August. Not, not with this.
7: Yeah. with Community Development Block Grant funds? No, no, I'm talking okay. about the state fund. Oh, yeah, yeah. The state funds you can have up to four months. Um, the, it's not CDBG, it's not, it's state funded, it's not through HUD. But the Community Development Block Grant Fund has that limitation that you can only pay up to three months.
5: Oh, you're talking about the one not, not to start yet at the community? Yes, yes. Okay. And do you know when it's going to start? Because I called them and they said not ready.
7: Um, I talked to, I keep calling them crisis center. I call community crisis services. I spoke with um, Sarah today. We hope to go live on Monday. So. Oh, good. And uh, if somebody
5: was receiving $600 the unemployment and for any reason, you know, these days we hear a lot of people start, they receive the unemployment uh, for certain times. And after that, they just disconnected from them and they came and they even asked them to pay everything back. Because the employer that you was working on, they protested. So you are not eligible. So you pay everything back. How those people
7: will be eligible if they say, yes, we receive it for a certain time? What community crisis center will look like, it, 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 you just have to show COVID impact. So you have to show that somehow, however they, they want to do that, is that their income was lower. Their household income of all the adults in their house was lower after COVID. And however they want to do that, and even if they got the unemployment benefits, if they, were, they had 20 bucks less in income than they did before, then they would be eligible. We don't okay. rate assistance. We just have to show that their income now is less than it was.
5: What about the people who have been uh, impacted before the COVID-19 and they still impacted by any another reason and they are low income and they are not making any?
7: You have to show it was directly due to COVID for the federal funds. So we're only getting the money due to COVID. So somehow you'd have to document that the reason that you have less money than before is due to COVID. So it might not be that we can help you with federal funds. Even if
5: you are coding fine job during this time because of the COVID?
7: We can ask. I just don't. You you have to show COVID impact. So if you... I mean, maybe if you just left your job, but if you haven't had a job for seven months and then COVID impacted, I don't know how we would verify that there's been a COVID impact.
5: Uh, I really don't know what can we do for the, those kind of residents. Uh, you know, like, for example, I, two households who are making uh, uh, 4000 total before covid and for the COVID impact, they now making three thousand five hundred. They lost like five hundred. They showing COVID impact. And another person he made zero and he struggled. And now they made zero and they are not eligible because they, even their income is zero and the other person his income is three thousand five hundred, showing there is impact of five hundred. Uh, you know, is there is a way that The money at the shelter house will be for you know, the rest of the money could be for those people who are really low, very low income. They are not, uh, they couldn't pay their rent or anything. Since every resident are benefiting somehow, how can we make those people our benefit too, you know? That I don't know. Um,
7: Obviously we're not gonna have enough for everybody. So we have to figure out some way to prioritize We'll have to
5: discuss that. Yeah. We don't have enough for everyone. When it finishes, it finishes. You know? Like now in our programs, it's donation-based, and we have certain amount for it's come, first serve. And that's how it is. You know, I, I don't think so we have to have for everyone, especially those like it's not going to be like a lot of cases look like this, same way like the undocumented people and comparing them to the people who can apply for another you know, programs. they are a lot people qualify for another programs, and there are few people who are not. So, we we need to talk seriously about those people, really, uh, because uh, if if we are providing help, uh, you know, and uh, we are restricted by federal uh, law, uh, let us just uh, implement the value of of us of the city. How can we help those people who are, their income is really low, and they are not even making ends meet, and how can we help them if we still have, uh, out of 50000 we spend only 8000
0: yeah. What I might say is um, when Jeff maybe gives his overview, um, because this program here is really with some restrictions uh, because of the CDBG, maybe we'll be able to get into um, talking about some of the individuals that are impacted by COVID, but you know, for the example, they didn't have a job um, prior to COVID. COVID, now they can't get a job to show loss of income. But I think we can have that conversation here um, sometime with uh, maybe during the time of Jeff. Any other questions for Tracy?
4: Um, Tracy, th- I think we highlighted the challenge of these different programs, different sources of relief, and what Mayor Tem was talking about with um, Shelter House taking a good amount of time with individuals to ensure that they have all the opportunities that might be available to them. Or do you feel like we're doing what we can, or do you have recommendations for making sure that a given individual in the community knows about all the different opportunities? Is there any way to streamline that with, you know, if they come looking at one program to ensure that every point of contact, they'll have the opportunity to learn about everything.
7: What we're finding when Shelter House
4: first started, um, we didn't
7: advertise, we didn't do a huge marketing effort for the Shelter House funds because we were relying on referrals because we are hoping that our federal funds would come through faster than what they did. Uh, What we're finding from Shelter House is that out of 100 phone calls, maybe only 10 knew about the state's program. So getting that information out that, you know, first go go apply and if you're not eligible then. So our, our, our priority order, and we're gonna start marketing this and we're, start gonna, we're gonna push this out to the community. Um, the flyer that's been made basically says there is emergency housing available. Contact first, you know, go online, take, take the, the checklist to see if you're eligible. If you are apply, if not contact, community crisis services, and then they will go through. Um, we have it with Omnilingua now to translate into different languages, just the flyer so that we can start getting that information out. Um, so basically, after you take the state's checklist, and if you're determined not eligible, you come to community crisis services, they will help. and. There's also, it's not just about assistance. It's about knowing all the programs available in the community that they they help you and they refer you out. If they can't help you due to the federal requirements about documentation, they're going to send you to Shelter House. And if you approve the money tonight for Center for Worker Justice, they're going to send you there if that's appropriate. So we're hoping that triage as of next week starts with, you know, folks go to IFA's website. They apply. If they're not eligible, they go to Community Crisis Services. And then Community Crisis Services, if they can't help them, then they start directing them to, to different community resources that can. Is that, does that answer your question? But
5: to be honest with you, a lot of people don't know. I don't know. I, I'm in the city and I don't know a lot of, of things. I guess the way that we advertise things need to be improved, no doubt. Okay, I know that, Race, you are doing your best. You are trying to reach out even to our organization. I received one of your emails for that, uh, you know, for the shelter house. Nothing against you, but I don't know. But there is somehow maybe we need to uh, translate this to different language. So it's gangrene. At that end of the people and you know uh, I, I, we have money to translate you know we, we can just pay somebody $30 an hour to translate for us uh, all this uh, uh, kind of benefit if we can put it on one sheet and make translation uh, the people uh, they, they tend to grab the, the attention to the language that they know better than like looking at the paper that they don't understand what's going on on it or you know also like when you send text message, when you your uh, like, I have to copy and paste the link uh, to the, the group, and everybody call me back and say, what's this? And I will try to explain it again with that, or I have to send a message in Arabic uh, with the link and say, this is this and that. So uh, I think we need to do like, uh, a better job in reaching out to the community uh, with translation material. If we can allocate money for translation, this has to be budget even in our budget every year so we can reach out to the people that we cannot. That's, uh, that's some kind of the equity that
3: we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as far as I understand, I think Tracy had just said that they that they translated some of the tr- materials. I, mean, I agree we need to do that. We need to be pushing it out to the community uh, in every way possible and um, in, in sort of, Uh, simple isn't the correct word, but sort of basic information so that people then know where to go and seek information or where to go and seek help.
0: All right. Any more items for Tracy?
5: Thank you for everything you do. Really, this is amazing, helping a lot of people. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Tracy. We'll go back to Jeff. (laughs) Jeff, do you have
1: any? Yeah, if Tracy, you want to stop sharing your screen? I'll I'll share mine. Um, I don't want to talk very long because I, you know, you've only got a limited time left in your work session, and I want to make sure that uh, uh, that you can um, discuss various types of relief. Um, so back in in May, um, we discussed uh, various types of uh, economic response that we could provide due to uh, due to COVID. And uh, I'm just going to um, bring that presentation uh, back up and um, walk you through a few pieces of that. I, I won't go through everything here. Um, so, um, one of the things that we talked about that I still feel is is very important for the council to to consider are some are some guiding principles because as we're starting to see, you you're. you're You've gotten some requests for relief. Uh, Better Together has asked for funding, Center for Worker Justice has asked for funding, Uh, Council you've created the $50,000 program we have just talked about. Um, I I really think that that's going to continue to come your way and you're going to get one off requests for Mm -hmm. for dollars and Mm -hmm. there needs to be some framework established for uh, considering considering how we're going to spend our dollars uh, so that they all work together and they're and they're coordinated. Um, so these were seven principles that I presented back in May as, as a starting point, but this is really the foundation. We should, we should identify exactly what, what we wanna make sure that any relief effort um, accomplishes. And, and we don't need to work through this tonight, but I do encourage you to carve out some time uh, for a discussion amongst yourself on whether these are the right principles or not. Um, uh, or, or whether there's uh, other um, uh, uh, items we need to consider. Um, I don't want you to worry so much about um, the funding source because I think that you can get down some rabbit holes on funding sources. I think if you can articulate um, exactly you know, what your priorities are, your, your staff is here and, and, and Dennis and the finance team will, will work to figure out the, the right source of funding. But as you can see here, we do have several options depending on the type of relief that uh, the council's interested in. So back in May, we talked about four different types of relief, individual and household relief, nonprofit relief, business and, and economic stimulus. Um, really my takeaway from that meeting was that the council's focus at the time in May was we probably need to be thinking about individual household relief and nonprofit support. Uh, so I wanna focus mostly on, on those two tonight. This slide is not updated from May, um, so there's there's all kinds of variety uh, of different options you can pursue. But what this slide attempted to show are some things you probably need to be thinking about um, if you're going to be offering individual and household relief, and that's the the considerations piece or the the, the bullet points under the yellow heading. Um, we have to think about what we want those thresholds for eligibility to be, and that's some of the things that you've just you know some of the the topics you've been discussing the last couple of meetings is how many rules and regulations do you want to put on these funds, how accessible should they be, and yet how do we make sure that we are um, investing our dollars to, to get to those who need it the most and that uh, we know that those dollars are, are um, going towards those critical um, items that we want to help with, be it rent or utilities or whatever the case may be. And then as Tracy's mentioned here, um, the, the duplication of benefits is really important. and You're already starting to see. Many different agencies facilitating, uh, administering different funds. We really have to make sure that we have a system in place to where everybody's talking to each other, and we're and we're not duplicating those benefits. Because as you just talked about in your previous discussion, we don't have enough money to take care of everybody's uh, um, financial challenges. We have to make sure that every dollar we spend uh, goes as far as it can and is not duplicated. So from the water uh, utility side, um, we've talked about shutoffs and late fees and some of the things that I I began to talk about earlier today you need to think about. Um, Yes, we have 950 plus accounts that are behind. Um, About 5% of those, I think, are on our um, existing utility discount program. Um, So do we wanna work with those folks that are on that utility discount program uh, or do we wanna wipe the slate clean for everybody that's late? Um, Do we want to um, really make a big push to expand our utility discount program right now? This is a great opportunity for us to go out and market that program and get more people that are eligible to, to be signed up and then allow them to accrue those benefits. To me, that's an example of something that'll have a long-term effect. You're not just helping somebody for a month or two, but if you can get them on a program that they didn't know existed and that they didn't know they could benefit from, you are helping them uh, uh, next year, the year beyond, uh, and as long as, as long as they remain eligible uh, going forward. Um, the water rate increase we've talked about. Um, direct housing assistance, again, that's uh, part of what's on your agenda tonight with the Center for Worker Justice contribution although it's not strictly uh, for housing, it certainly would help um, uh, alleviate uh, uh, housing costs. We've talked about food security, childcare, transit, all these things are, um, are different things the city can do. There, these aren't recommendations from staff, but we're trying to just paint a picture that there's all kinds of recovery options that we can do. Um, some are gonna be more urgent than others. Uh, we know that housing is going to be urgent. We know that utilities are going to be urgent as soon as there are Uh, shutoffs uh, occurring uh, as soon as there are uh, eviction moratoriums that are lifted, um, things like that. We know that that's probably got to be the most urgent and that's probably where our most immediate focus is. But as we progress through this pandemic and we we get actually through it and into a recovery phase, you could start looking at things like transit rides, for example, Uh, when people are more comfortable riding on transit. Uh, It's a great opportunity for us to consider getting them uh, getting people back onto transit or introducing new people to transit uh, through some type of fare-free or discounted uh, program. So again, some examples of of individual and household relief there. As I moved to nonprofit real quick, um, obviously the direct aid is is occurring through some of our CDBG funds uh, that we've received. Those are limited funds, um, you know, the, the amount that we're able to provide above and beyond what you have already provided through your aid agencies program isn't going to be significant in the grand scheme of things. It's going to help, no doubt about it. The agencies will be extremely grateful for getting it. Uh, but the problem or the magnitude of the, of the problem is is much more significant than uh, what we're able to um, uh, fund through those CDBG dollars. So. Yeah, you you're, you're probably going to look at uh, need to look at um, what the long-term needs are of the nonprofit community and um, one of the things mentioned here is is certainly this is a great opportunity for us to continue to look for ways to um, uh, gain long-term efficiencies with with nonprofit organizations whether that's finding partnerships that don't exist right now or funding um, organizations in a way that not only, uh, help them fill some immediate gaps in their services uh, and in their financials, frankly, right now, but it, are there ways that we can fund them that will um, help them um, for the foreseeable future too? And, and those tend to be creative discussions that are needed, but um, are, there, are there debt reduction strategies that we could look at to help a nonprofit that immediately takes some, some burden off their books but also helps um, them with their cash flow going forward? So again, I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. There's a lot more detail in this uh, presentation, um, but um, I want to make sure you all have ample time to to discuss uh, where your priorities are right now.
0: All right, counselors, what are your thoughts?
3: Uh, my initial thoughts are that our, at least for me, our priorities remain pretty much the same. Uh, and we need to figure out how to organize, as, as Jeff was saying, how to have a structure so that um, so that we can focus on the people who are the hardest hit um, on housing and utilities, and so that we can also focus uh, to some extent on, on supporting the nonprofits who are also supporting those people. To me, the question is how, how we like quickly and efficiently, put um, some structure in place so that we can end up with with a with workable framework going forward because we don't know how long this is going to last, but we know that we want um, people to stay in housing, we want people to stay fed, uh, and we want our very robust nonprofit community to be able to continue to function and help with that support.
5: I just when that, uh, yeah, I threw out there that, yeah, I agree with you, Janice. Yeah, this is, I mean, still also my priority remain the same, but I would like just to mention that the Affordable Housing Coalition, they're going to have a meeting on Friday, inviting all the housing nonprofit to talk about how the best to coordinate all the relief and avoid, you know, unneeded duplication. And I, I think Tracy has also is invited for that meeting. And uh, I think this will be like great cooperate where uh, all those people will come together and try to figure out how they can do this together so everybody will benefit out of it.
3: I would hope that, that HCDC or people, representatives from HCDC would be a part of that as well. I guess helps Sarah hearing us and she would do that.
4: I would agree that my priorities remain the same as what we talked about a couple months ago. Um, I also agree we need some kind of structure to facilitate being able to respond quickly with still some framework for understanding the requests that are coming forward and making sure that they're um, in line with these kind of guiding principles that we've talked about. Uh, a couple of times now and that I think we're all in agreement on. Um, Jeff reminded me just maybe this morning, <laughs> within the last couple of days that we have an emergency um, funding request framework that was developed um, earlier this year. And so I, I would recommend that we look at using that for these kinds of requests to help streamline and not reinvent the wheel every time something comes forward. So I don't know if other people remember remembered that process or not, but if, if that framework or parts of that can be applied to the COVID relief request, I think that would be helpful.
8: One of the things th- no, go ahead, Bruce.
0: Oh one of the things that I that I'm hearing is that we want we want to find some time to talk about this, but you know, COVID's been here since March and we need to get this on an agenda so that we can really spend some time and advocate or, or, or give direction as to how we're gonna uh, fulfill our priorities. So if I'm hearing at least the um, Mayor Pro Tem and um, and I guess even uh, Council Weiner and Burgess, they mentioned that their priorities are there, which I would imagine as the individual household relief and the not-for-profit is where we wanna focus our attention, I think we need to really carve out um, time. Uh, Of course, today we can't do it because we're running out of time here at our work session and then uh, it's not on the formal uh, agenda. So I might propose that next work session, we actually um, talk about this in the work session, it's hard to put anything on the formal agenda. I don't know if we want to give uh, a a, a dollar amount, turn it over to staff, or do we want to work, uh, like three people work on this outside of council, meeting before next council. I'm not sure how we want to do this, but we need to figure out a way uh, to kind of allocate some funds, kind of uh, figure out what are the programs we want to do, because this is, is, we're in the third month of COVID-19. And so if I'm counting correctly, I'm not. We're in the fifth month. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the fifth month of COVID-19. And so we. I think we need, at this point, counselors, I think we need to um, make some decisions. And uh, let's put our uh, funding where our priorities are.
5: And, you know, I just want to mention one thing so everybody know about it. Uh, you know, the delay that be, has been caused was there by the, um, you know, the, the, the we did not receive the guideline of how to spend money, even though Jeff told me that we received this money. Like, long time ago, I was very excited that it will be going through immediately, but we have to wait or the guideline from the government about how we can spend this money. I took them forever to come back. So we even, you're just saying five months and we did not even start the program yet. It will be next Monday. So, you know, people are suffering. What you don't know, I have people come here and they say, I can show you my credit card statement. I have a credit card for $10,000 credit line and I made a month of April. For June, and this program just came through. How i am going to pay this debt? People, they go to debt because a immigrant doesn't know their right? They don't know there is eviction protections. I was everybody was say I wasn't know because the landlord was be, putting a pressure on me, uh, so that I, they told me that if I don't pay, uh, I will be evicted, and I don't want to be homeless. That's why I have to figure a way. Even if I want into debt, I have to figure a way to just. Bezos. So there is many, many stories like add and on and on. Uh, but what I I'm, I'm saying that because uh, you know delaying things to come back to the next council meeting and just like also um, you know uh, figuring out the, after that we're gonna figure out that's 15 days and we're gonna figure out the guideline and it could be more than that if we're going to is yeah it would be more than that. No, I I just mean like we are things are really get delayed and those people, uh, for example, yeah, the, the the center for Work, justice, they, they, I I know that they have things tonight. I don't have even to talk about that, but I'm thinking when they push it very hard, I know that they want to. Uh, cover the months of uh, of August and July, because no one was eligible for months of July for any another program and the months of August. People are past due two months, uh, one month and another month is coming soon. By the time that we will get here, the eviction, button, is it ended on uh, July the series, I guess? My understanding? Maybe it's already removed. People will be in dangers. Uh, if we want to do something like that, hopefully, are uh, not going to affect
8: the current applications.
0: All right. I know Sue the uh, Council members wanted to say something.
8: I was going to say that I agree with what other counselors have said about our priorities in terms of the individuals um, and household relief and the nonprofits. And I totally agree that we need some structure. Um, and as Councilor Burgess said, I think the fact that we You know, we did just just a few months ago put in place a process for emergency requests. Um, It would seem to me that we ought to use that process um, going forward if we have requests from agencies for money, I guess. To the mayor's point, I guess the question becomes, are we now talking about um, some other specific allocation of city dollars which to me i'm not ready to do that yet when we're just barely getting um the federal money and some of these other flows of money starting to come in so it would would seem to me that we might be um it might be a little soon for us to do this i know it's frustrating because of the delay in getting the federal money and the guidelines etc but now that those are ready to go live it would seem Like we want to utilize those, um, use our emergency funding um, or emergency request process that we've put in place. And then I would encourage that maybe we do have, you know, three council members that, that sit down outside of our meeting to meet with staff additionally to maybe understand this better and look at what other options we might want to explore going forward, and if we do it that way, then it doesn't just get pushed off from every two weeks, like Maz is saying, from one meeting to the next, that we could start making progress on some other potential avenues of assistance, but I do think we have time with those
3: since the federal money is now here and ready to be started. And I also think that we have some real, um, some real resources that we can bring to bear, Maz, you were just talking about the, the Affordable Housing Coalition and the group that they're bringing together. If they, uh, We have had groups present to us before, including in, in work sessions. None of us have to figure this out from scratch. There are a lot of people who are working on this every day. If they can, if, for example, we can ask people like the group that's coming together on on Friday, together with HCDC, to come up with a list of suggestions. I know HCDC has done that before, but we haven't looked at them specifically. We also have the legacy um, nonprofits who we could ask to come together and really give us their perspective, so that we can that we can have it all in one place um, and 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 find a real way forward.
1: Mayor, if I if I may. Um I think you all bring up great points. I, I, I think um, what the council probably doesn't want to happen is is for the city to be kind of flat-footed and, and for a big wave of evictions or a big crisis to hit and for us to, you know, have to jump through a couple of meetings as, as Mayor Pro Tem was describing. So what I would encourage is allow your staff in collaboration with uh, whether it's some council members or, or uh, local providers uh, to put together a framework um, so that we can administratively um, authorize some expenditures um, through existing partners that we have um, to, to, to help react quickly should we find ourselves in a situation where maybe the federal dollars um, uh, aren't addressing a gap in our community and we have a, a certain part of our community that's that's not able to access the funding and they're facing evictions, you don't really wanna to have to wait for a council meeting to, to have to authorize those funds. So um, I think there's some longer term recovery that you all can take some meetings and have some discussions about, but um, you're, you're probably gonna want um, to be a little bit more nimble, um, just not knowing what's gonna, what's gonna happen in August. We don't know if the federal government's gonna pass a, a CARES Act um, uh, another CARES Act type of bill to extend some of these benefits. We don't know what the governor's going to do. So um, I'd be happy to, to work with a, a few counselors or, or just as staff, bring you some recommendations on how we can how we can move quickly through existing partners uh, that we have um, so that we don't get caught flat-footed in the case of uh, uh, a, a, a real housing crisis that we all think is probably on the, on the horizon.
9: I, I think that sounds like a really good plan, Jeff, because, you know, sometimes the two weeks between meetings seems like almost two months. It it can be a really long time, uh, especially if there's something that's urgent. But I, I think your idea about looking at what we've got, the resources, and then literally we don't get caught with our pants down and, and needing to scramble to put something together. So I think that's a, a good idea.
5: I would I agree. Would- I agree too, but the only thing I want to highlight on this too, yes, we have money out there, as uh, you know, Susan Mims said, uh, for from the federal. It's just going to start next Monday. We have some on the shelter house that will continue to this week, at least to the end of this week. And, um, you know, we, we are fulfill uh, some, like, a big, huge group of uh, the residents of Iowa City to have bad to apply for those programs. Uh, the only people that who are missing is undocumented people. And I think uh, if we get the city money, that will also be another bus for another people. Until we think about a way that to come up with something else, like a structure or whatever, everyone was allocating here and the city manager was saying the same thing.
0: Uh,
5: I, I just wanna throw that out there.
0: I want to make sure that I understand. Um, you, you're saying we can create kind of the the collaboration between the city uh, city staff and maybe a few counselors as well as other organizations. But you want to make sure that undocumented individuals are also in that conversation.
5: I, I, what I meant is, right now, Susan Susan Mims just said we. I agree with. Her. she just said there is money out there just being allocated to the community, and it will be, we, you know, there is federal money there, some of our residents will be eligible for. If they are not eligible to the city money, they will be eligible to the state money. Who is missing in that picture is undocumented people. And if we're going to wait, as also Susan Mims requests that, and I agree, we can wait no problem. Uh, if we're going to wait to do that, we want to make sure we will allocate money for undocumented people through so, the, I'm not I'm not pushing you to approve the Center for Work Justice by any means, <laughs> you know, this is, yeah, tonight, but I'm just saying that we want to make sure until we come up and wait for another thing to, like, to figure out the structure and to figure out what we want to do, whether we want can use city money or not, that would take time. So let us move this, make sure everybody have some to apply until we come up with something else. I hope you
3: I answer your question.
0: <laughs> yeah maybe I think you had me until the last minute, <laughs> until the last, last 10 to me,
3: seconds. To me, the
8: Mayor Pro Tem is, is trying to thread the needle here on a conflict of interest issue. Exactly. That's why I'm so, not, I, I, I don't I want to talk about it. But I think, I think we know where you're going and probably you would be best to quit. Yes, it. I'm quitting. But why you don't talk about it if you understand what I mean? <laughs> sure.
5: Yeah. I don't want to talk too much on this because it's conflict of interest for me to talk about if I start talking, obviously, and you're going to understand, uh, you know, what I mean. All
0: right. So it sounds like uh, the majority of counselors, when I saw heads nodding, they were in agreement with uh, uh, city staff working together with some community partners and maybe a few counselors working alongside um, with Jeff and city staff. Um, does that am I correct on understanding the majority of council wanted that? Just by nodding your hands. Yep. All right. Um so yes, may- but
5: you know, uh, keep in mind, I'm saying with the understanding that the money that I would say you have to be eligible for everyone. That's it.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So with that, um maybe we'll start with three counselors. Um I think that's what I heard was. Proposed, um, are there three individuals that would like to be a part? I want to. I
8: would be interested.
0: I, I am hear o- Mayor Pro Tem and uh, Councilor Mims.
8: My only concern with the Mayor Pro Tem is the is the potential conflict of interest. We we all know that strong interest, and I think others can represent that. And I, I don't know. I I that's would just take. Good. I would yeah. hate for us to that's get in right. a situation where that's a problem.
5: That's okay, no problem. As long as uh, there is somebody there, we'll talk about the whole community, including undocumented people, immigrants, everyone in this community. I don't have to be there. And it's better somebody else to advocate for those people than me. It's, it's much better. I'd
4: volunteer
9: Could, for that. This probably I, I'd be interested too.
0: Okay, now you have three. All right, so we have the three. Okay, anything else on this? We'll uh, be looking forward to next meeting to have more discussions on it. All right, we only have about, we'll say uh, seven minutes to kind of, and, and we, if we need to come back, we can always come back after, but um, any clarifications of agenda items? And I'll delay the mass talk. Um, I guess I just wanted to make make mention out there to everyone that uh, today uh, an order was made for masks and it will be in effect until September 15th. And I hope that the residents in our community do understand the necessity as to how um, it, I, I felt as well as all of the counselors here felt it was necessary for the safety of our community that masks be ordered. And I'm looking forward to total compliance within our community. So, thanks to everybody for uh, who those that have reached out, that have already uh, showed their support for the mask, and even for those that uh, may not be in compl- um, may not be happy with the order. What I will say is that uh, you wearing a mask and my wearing a mask help the numbers go down, and so that's what I would encourage all of us to do, is to wear the mask. And with that, we're going to go and do some clarification of agenda items. Don't have any. Hearing none. Info packet discussion. Uh, so info packet June 9th.
9: I think that's actually July,
0: July 9th. <laughs> Uh Uh-oh, okay. Um, June 16th, July 16th.
9: I wanted to comment on uh, IP, um, I believe it's five, the report from the fire department and the police department on on the fireworks uh, calls uh, this past season. kind of goes along with uh, an item, uh, item 60 in our correspondence uh, from a community member uh, regarding the use or abuse, as it stands, of fireworks. And uh, uh, I've known the person that wrote that uh, for a long time, and she's not one to complain about things. So for her to, to be concerned about this and upset, and she sent some wonderful photos that showed uh, that obviously fireworks had been used it wasn 't just simple little sparklers it was major fireworks and uh Our community members should not have to uh, tolerate and and endure uh, these things. Their pets, the infants, the people with PTSD uh, that are especially affected by this, it's it's very traumatic to them. And I believe that uh, before the next uh, period of time, which is the Christmas New Years, uh, where they're going to be allowed to be sold again, I think we as a council Need to visit this issue and the use uh, or misuse of fireworks in uh, within our city limits, and perhaps even a work session topic uh, that we can we can talk about. Uh, uh, what we really need to do about this to, to curb the use of this, because uh, it was quite a problem. It was like triple the number of calls this year over last year, and uh, we, we just—I think—we need to look at that uh, for the well-being. We're talking about the health of our community. This uh, relates to the well-being of our community too, because it was a big issue this year.
0: Any other items from July sixteenth, IP?
8: Can I skip back to the agenda real quickly? I forgot that late handouts are part of the agenda. Yes. May I? Um, late handouts, uh, 6M. This was um, an email that came into staff um, regarding flying the flag at half mast um, in honor of Representative John Lewis that came out um we have an a resolution that we passed i think back in 09 on the council and we typically follow president and governor's orders and then we have some other um cases in which we would do that and unfortunately because of covid and change of staffing obviously that order when it came in on the weekend of you know of all times was missed i would like and i did talk to jeff about this earlier today um it, I would like to advocate that the council um, direct staff to go ahead and fly the flag on the top of city hall at half mast um, starting tomorrow through Friday in honor of John Lewis. Uh, I would approve of that.
0: Yeah, I think it was a uh, a unfortunate Mm -hmm. um, oversight, not intentional by any means. because of no, the it was sessions. a
8: combination of the weekend and COVID and changing staffing is how it got missed. And so, yeah,
0: yeah. I be, I would be in agreement.
8: Thank you. I appreciate your support on this. I think it's a really important one. He was a definite icon of this country and will be sorely missed. He's done a tremendous amount for us.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Any other agenda items? Hearing none, um, can we say, I think what we'll do is we'll just save our updates and we'll give that at the end of council unless there's someone that has a burning update that they want to give now. Hearing none. All right. We will be back at 7 p.m.